Leading Britain's Conversation. This is a podcast from LBC. James O'Brien. Oh, another year, another mystery hour is upon us. Um, do you know how it works? You should do by now. It's not that complicated. You've probably got a question, but look at that. The switchboard's full already. Uh, stop it. Calm down. I need to do a little bit of introduction. Um, at least it gives gives the crack team of producers an opportunity to sort the wheat from the chaff. Because, we, you see, we have to support wheat from chaff during this hour. Because although you may think that the question you have bubbling away in the back of your brain is of paramount importance and unparalleled fascination to the assembled nation... I might find it really boring. If it's about cars, I probably will. Unless it's an answer to the question of how I can fix the locks on my Volvo doors. No, that's, that's actually proof that I'm right to have out, outlawed and overruled all questions about cars historically. Ring in with a question, 03456060973, and someone else will ring in with the answer. OK? It can be really, really serious or pant-wettingly silly. I'm quite comfortable with either. In fact, I'm a big fan of Really, Really Serious, and also a big fan of Pan-Wettingly Silly. So Mystery Hour is a wonderful weekly opportunity to address both extremities of conversation. It is a bit like those newspaper columns or magazine features where someone writes in with a question, then a few weeks later someone writes in with the answer. Why do we do that? Where does that come from? Who, why, what, where, when? Uh, What happened? What resulted? Whither, whence, wherefore? Anything, any interrogative pronoun you please can preface the question that you pose to the assembled throngs of listeners, many of whom are are poised to try to answer them. Um, I answered one already today. The the lovely chap I was talking to on Tuesday night from Margate is called Campbell. His girlfriend Diva's been in touch to remind me. I don't think we we did names. We may not have done. I I remember you, Diva. That was uh, very kind words that you said. But the fellow who gave me that... um, analogy we work towards it together on uh, trying to make brexit make sense in a way that doesn't make anyone the goody or the baddie someone shouts fire in a theater there's no shame in running for the doors if it turns out that there wasn't a fire it's not your fault that you trampled over other people in well maybe trampling over other people is a bad thing but it's not your fault there wasn't a fire there's no shame in running for the fire exit when someone shouts fire If the person shouting fire turns out to be a liar, there's still no shame in running for the fire exit because someone shouted fire. But the person who shouted fire and then turned out to be a liar is the person that I'll probably spend the rest of my career calling out and going after every single one of them. Lighter times now with Mistria. It's upon us. If you hear somebody ask a question to which you know the answer, then give me a ring on 03456060973. Okay. Um, Jane is in Welling Garden City. Question or answer, Jane? Uh, question. Carry on. Why are tills... Sorry, why are cash registers called tills? Why are boxes called boxes? Well, they're cash registers. Well, they're but, tills. Well, but what does tills mean? They're called well, cash What does box registers. mean? I mean, it wasn't... Well, it, originally, a till was a drawer. I don't know if that helps. In Old English, I think. Well, that's what I'm asking, because they're cash registers, and they're known as cash registers, but then you go into a supermarket and they say things like, till number three is open, till number four is open. And no, the till, the, till, the till is the drawer. The cash, the cash register is the machine in which there is a drawer called a till. To be literal and pedantic about it, they've just become conflated over the years. It's why I said, why is a box called a box? You could have called it a cash box or a cash drawer, but they called it a till. It's a receptacle. That's all. Oh. 
Well, that answers that one then. Does it? Because I'm not. <laughs> I, cause I, I think it does. I'd like to think it does. I, I obviously would like to award myself a, a round of applause. But 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 that is the answer. It's it's the two separate things that have come to mean the same thing. Because it's been bugging me for ages. Well, don't let it bug you. Be unbugged. A till is a draw. In a in a, a till uh, is a draw. Yeah, a money draw. A money then, draw. So okay, every cash so register how? has a till in it, and because every cash register has a till in it, till has become a synonym for cash register over the years. Okay, so well, why then is a, a money draw called a till? Well, why is a box called a box? Till it's just a word. Something. Yeah, it's a word that we, we use to describe a draw. I mean, you could say, why is a draw called a draw, Jane? Why is a car yeah. called a car? Why is a table called a table? We could be here a long time if we're going to carry on. This is not how mystery hour works. Do not ring me up no. and ask me why a box is called a box. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Round of applause for me. Hang on, Jane. Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. If you do ring me up and ask me why a box is called a box, you'll be banned for life from listening to this program. Okay, Jake's in Canary Wharf. Jake, question or answer? Question, please. Okay. Why is a box called a box? No, um, <laughs> well done. Why is it that um, when you're keeping a secret between two people or someone tells you something they don't want you to tell others, they tap their nose twice? Yeah. Oh, come on, mate. You've already answered it. Why? Well, what word would you describe to describe someone? What, would, what word would you employ to describe someone who's very keen to find out your secrets? <laughs> okay, I'm there. Nosy. Yeah. Really? Well, it just means don't be nosy. Uh, doesn't it? Yeah, okay, that does make sense. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Thank you. Kind of knocking him out of the park today. Things better improve, yeah. otherwise 2019 it might be the year that we decide that Mystery Hour has, has delighted us for long enough. Another round of applause for me, please, Keith. <laughs> When's the last time I got a round of applause for every single question on Mystery Hour? I'm not sure I ever did. Andy is in Croydon. Andy, question or answer? I have a question, James. Carry on, Andy. Well, there are counties called Essex and Sussex and sort of counties called Middlesex and historically Wessex, which I've always taken to mean south, east, middle and west. Yeah. Why is there no complementary north version? Well, like Norfolk. Well, that's folk. It's not a sex. It's nor. Why is there no, why is there no Nussex? It's, it's or nor. Nussex? Norfolk. But, and yeah, Suffolk. That's, folk. that's not sex. What? Whatever the well, word... You seem to be a bit obsessed with sex, frankly, Andy. Well, maybe. But whatever SEX means in this context, why is there no North version? Why do no Northern counties end in SEX? Yes. Are you probably, I don't know for sure, but you've probably answered the question yourself. It probably actually does designate something Southern, doesn't it? Well, south of I mean, the... If, if, south middle, of the... if Middlesex is, is, is the middle one, then why is there no Northern one? Why is Saxon? Because they were called... Saxon lands and the Saxons never conquered the North. Boom! Well, yeah, but they're all around London. Yeah, that's where the Saxons hung out. Yeah, so why did they not conquer Hertfordshire? They might have done, but we just didn't call it Hartsax, because that would sound weird. Well, I, I would like a definitive answer. I've given you a definitive if, answer. The they, reason why no northern all... counties have sex as a suffix is because they weren't con conquered by Saxons. They were never held by the Saxons. Well, so they conquered Middlesex, but not... No, 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 they didn't name everywhere they conquered with a sex, but that wasn't your question. Your question was, why aren't there any sexes in the north? And the answer is because there were never any Saxon settlements. Well, I think there's one missing out of the set. What? Uh, well, there's a Nussex missing. 
No, no, I've, I've explained to you. The, it's not my fault. The question's not as clever as you thought it was when you rang in, Andy. I can't, I can't hold responsibility for, for, for um, caveat emptor, as they say. But it's got to refer... And I'm making this up as I go along, so I could turn out to be wrong. So I should turn the condescension down at least one notch. The, the, it's, if, if it refers, as I believe it does, to the Saxons, then the mystery of why there are no northern counties boasting the suffix sex is solved. So, you, you, so your, your, your suggestion is that, that the S-E-X suffix means that the Saxons con- conquered it? Yes, but they're not exclusively. They, There'll be plenty of other... Anything. There'll be so plenty of other places they conquered that don't have the suffix sex, but they, that wasn't your question. Well, why didn't they decide to call the one yeah. slightly north of Middlesex yeah, like I, like I just said, that wasn't your question. Well, it kind of is. No, why no, is it isn't. Enough? Your question is, why isn't there a northern version of the sexes? And the answer is because they weren't settled by Saxons. It probably isn't, actually. I, I mean, it'll turn out now that sex has got nothing to do with the Saxons. But until that moment, I shall just sit here feeling smug and take my third round of applause in succession. In your own time, Keith. <laughs> three out of three. Come on. Richard is in Daventry in Northamptonshire. Richard, question or answer? Um, question, James. Okay, come on then. And the question is, why is it that cling film only sticks once? It's charged. Static electricity. Well, maybe, maybe not. But if you put it over a bowl or a cup or something, it works fine. You yeah. then take it off, because you put something in or out of the bowl. Yeah. It then won't stick properly from then on. Because the static electricity has dissipated. You know that for a fact? Mm, what do you think? I don't know. You I don't do know whether do it is or it isn't. You do but know. I just you do know. know you know whether I know for a fact or not. You're you just too polite to say fact, so. James, oh, well, now you're being that. facetious. I, have but I didn't know you were an expert on static electricity, so <laughs> I'm learning things. I didn't know I was an expert on the Saxons either, mate, but you, you know. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I know. I was just listening to that. The reason there were no North Saxons is because the area north of them was no, no, occupied no. by people who called themselves the North Folk yeah, no, I know that, but that was, the question was about sex. I, I, I think I'm right about cling film, but I think three rounds of applause in a row um, is enough for me, so I'm not going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to leave that on the board. Because I can't think of any other reason, can you? Um, no, but it might be something to do with the chemical composition of it. I, uh, I but don't the chemical composition doesn't change. Well, I don't know. I'm no, not but it expert. doesn't. That's why I'm asking. No, you are an expert. It can't possibly change because there's no, there's no chemical reaction. So it must, be ele- it must be physics rather than chemistry. If it's physics, it's probably electricity. If it's oh. electricity, it's clearly static because it's not plugged in. <laughs> and therefore, cling film on the roll has, has a static electric charge that isn't there after you've used it. Right. OK. <laughs> if, if I'm wrong, <laughs> I'll give you the money myself. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. Why does... Uh, What's it? Chops. Cling film only work once. Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. I have expertly answered all of the other questions currently posed on Mystery. Mark is in Dover. Mark, question or answer? Answer, mate. Carry on. Uh, why a till is called a till? Hang on a minute. That's not an answer. That's a steward's inquiry. No, I don't think you find it is. Go on then. Uh, till is called a till because it comes from the French word till, which means compartment. Yes. A cash drawer is separated into different compartments. No, no, you're not allowed to read. You're, no, you're not. You're not reading it, are you? Nope. You, you, mate, come on. No, I used to work in. A, I used to work in a department store many years ago in a very old posh department store. Okay. Till, so till is is it's called a till because that is a name for a drawer, but you've just given us a French derivation. No, no it's not. It's not a name for a drawer. It's a name for a, compa- a compartment. That's where it comes from. Right. But it is also a draw. Well, it is now. Yeah. 
What's the difference between a so drawer you, and a compartment? The lady, the lady asked why is a till called a till. And you've given us the French derivation, which I think deserves a round of applause. But uh, you're overstepping the mark when you seek to contradict the correctness of my original answer. You're, 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 <laughs> I, cu- I, couldn't, I couldn't resist it, You are adding a sheen of polish <laughs> to my already correct answer, for which I thank you, but even in the absence of polish, my answer would still be correct. Yes, barely. Round of applause for Mark. <laughs> <laughs> At 12.19 is the time. Nina is next in Harrow. Nina, question or answer? Um, it's a question, James. I'm a big fan of yours, so I'm sorry if I sound a bit starstruck. Uh, no, no, well, I'm um, sorry if I sound starstruck now that you've been so lovely to me. Um, yeah, my question is, why can't we convert landfill waste into usable energy? Well, we can. Can we? Yeah, but it wouldn't be either... Uh, economically or environmentally viable because we'd have to burn it oh and i think we used to i I know what you think i often look at stuff do you know what i look at like you look at landfill fingernails fingernails i often whenever i get actually that's not true because i buy my fingernails nina i hope i hope you're not having your lunch at the moment but toenails (laughs) whenever i cut my toenails and you get that nice little pile of because i often leave it a bit too late a bit too long i don't really cut my toenails until i'm punching holes in my own socks whenever i cut my toenails you have that lovely little pile of toenails and i always think to myself there must be something useful it feels like such a waste to throw those toenails into the bin there must be something useful we can do with those toenails so my relationship with toenails is very similar to your relationship with landfill right well you can burn your toenails i suppose can't you yes but that would be both bad for the environment and economically (laughs) ineffective just like landfill Okay, all right, thank you. Thank you very much. Another round of applause for me. I'm enjoying the new look, Mr. Yeah, the new look 2019, Mr. Yeah. Uh, Mike's in Moscow. That's an agreeable alliteration. Mike, what's on your mind? Question or answer? Good afternoon, James. Carry on, Michael. Uh, can you hear me? I'm sorry, I'm calling from abroad, so just to make sure. Loud and uh, clear. I can, hear, I, can hear, I can hear you very well. Is Mr. Yeah big in Moscow? Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Uh, yeah, quite popular. Fantastic. I'm a huge fan, to be Fantastic. honest. Fantastic. Good man. Spread the word. So, the question is, uh, I've always wondered, why do we cry when we are touched or moved by something? The thing is, I'm an English teacher, and uh, the other day, with, with, uh, with my students, we had a phrase in the, in the class, yeah. tear joker, or tear joking. Tear jerker, jerking, J-E-R, to jerk, as in tear jerk. Something that makes you cry when you read or watch a melodrama or something like that. You got it. So, what's the kind of physiological reason behind that? The evolutionary reason it will be, probably, won't it? Yeah, it maybe, have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some evolutionary advantage to crying. Is it... Why cry? Did, communicating silently to the rest of the tribe that something frightening is happening or something scary? No, because you can cry at sweet stuff, can't you? I used to cry at neighbours. Yeah. That's probably a cultural... <laughs> is that a cultural reference too far for us, Mike? I'm sorry? You, you don't know what I'm talking about when I say I used to cry at neighbours, do you? Oh, no. No, that's fine. I will find out for you. Why do we cry when we watch something moving? What, what is the evolutionary... Do you use my programme as a, as, a, as a teaching aid when you're teaching English, Mike? Uh, for listening activity. Good. That's all, that's all I needed to know. I will get you an answer to your question in reward. There we go. Mystery hour. Big in Moscow. Uh, Harry's in Cardiff. Harry, question or answer? I did a question, please. Carry on, Harry. Um, I'd like to know what animal in general makes the best manure for growing things. Horses. Are you sure? Yes. How do you know? Mm, I don't. I'm just on a roll. 
I was just I was just thinking, you know, is it going to be something like a cow that eats grass, or is it going to be like a tiger that just eats meat, or something like a pig or a human that eats a mix of everything? Uh, well, it's got to be a herbivore, hasn't it? And, and, well, because but I just... Like, meat, meat's much more, got much more protein and much more yeah, but not, not, interesting, not, really nice things in it. Not at the other end, mate. Only at this end. <laughs> it's going to go through. Not all of it's going to get absorbed. Uh, I, I'm putting you on the list. I, I would go for a horse, but then again, you know, I'm, I'm British, so I'm not big on camels. Maybe camel dung is amazingly good for... And doesn't it depend <laughs> what you're growing as well? Because rose growers... Oh, yeah, completely, r- 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 general, Well, then it's a stupid question. Because a rose grower... A it is a stupid... A rose grower might have a completely different answer from a marrow grower. That's why I asked, in general. But what do you mean, in general? Generally. What do you mean by generally? Don't say in general. <laughs> All things considered. Uh, so, if you had to add up all the crops in the world, and then all of the manures that were best for all of the crops in the world, which manure would feature most often? Yeah, something like that. Oh, all right. We'll see what we can do. Okay. What is the best manure? Oh, three, four, five for growing things. Oh, three, four, five, six. Oh, generally. Oh, three, four, five, six in general. Oh, three, four, five, six. Oh, six. Oh, nine, seven, three. Tristan is in Winchester. Tristan, question or answer? Uh, question please, James. Carry on. In the game of in the game of cricket, why aren't the positions of the stumps marked permanently on the batting crease or the popping crease? At the start of each batsman's facing, he has to ask the umpire at the other end to give him a mark on a particular stump, and then yeah. he'll basically score a groove in in the popping crease. So, given that that position doesn't change, irrespective of which who's in who's batting, why aren't there just a permanent chalk mark? on the pop increase, it would save time and would save damage to the pitch. Um, I don't normally like questions that, that are, are why don't we do things. Do you see what I mean? But but usually a why don't we do things can be turned into a why do we do things. And yours, yours, yours kind Fair of... Fair is it, is it not? I appreciate th- cricket is a game that is full of, yeah... Arcane traditions and, like. and weird, yeah, little, weird little rules. Um, but, but also, you, you... I mean, you move the crease a lot, don't you, depending on which square you're using on a big pitch. Yes. And all, no, I know why, mate. I mean, how small would it have to be? Because if you're going to do leg, middle and leg, centre, yeah. centre and centre and off, and then off, they're going to be so close together that by the time you've chalked them, you've just got one long piece of chalk. Potentially, or you could just have the middle marked. Uh, it might save a bit of time. I've well, now, now, artificial... we're, now we're splitting hairs, Tristan. <laughs> to give you an example, I've played on an artificial pitch where at the start of that, the batsman has to go and pick up a bit of chalk and mark a line on it. So every batsman has to take it, goes out there with his gloves on, then has to take his gloves off, reach round, pick up the chalk, put his gloves back on. It just wastes a lot of time. In, the, in a limited overs game, that all adds up to quite a bit. Yeah, I, I like mean, a, there might not be an answer. Line of, no. Because it I will like just many, be... Cricket, it, cricketers. Yeah, but it will. Ju- the answer will be because we don't. Yeah, I know. Won't it, really? Yeah. You know, why, why I was do... looking for something a bit more definitive. But, uh, well, um... I, I will put it on. I'll leave it you there for <laughs> you. Um... Cheers. But I bet the answer is because we don't. Yeah, I'm sure it is. And it's been like that for 300 years. Or Cricket. Whatever. But, but why, uh, yeah, why don't we yeah, have marks? Uh, uh, like no, also, also, and here is some fascinating cricket trivia for you. I told you I was on a yeah. roll today. There was not a middle stump originally. Blimey. Yeah, I guess because, yeah, someone's standing in front of it all the time. There, so there was no, no, there was no middle stump. You had, you had two stumps and one bale. And they right. only introduced a middle stump, and I'm not, I mean, I'm on form today, but I'm not on fire, because I can't remember the fella's name, but there was a bowler who might have been a Yorkshireman, 
And they only introduced the middle stump because he was so good that he kept putting the ball through the stumps. Okay. And that's why they introduced the middle stump. So in the absence of a middle stump, having marks on the ground for which stump you were using would have been pointless. Yeah. So it's just a remnant of... Yeah. yeah the, it the, it, it the is a remnant of the days before yeah. the middle stump was introduced, mate. Okay, I'll take that. That's the best answer. The only answer anyone's been able to give me, and I've asked many, many cricketers. I'm really so, proud of that. I know I'm being insufferably smug today, but actually, yeah. the other the other bits were comedy. This is genuine smugness. The other bits were self okay. self deprecating, pretending to be smug in order to shrug off accusations of smugness. This is well, I'm glad, peak I'm glad smugness. You <laughs> I'm glad to have helped you in that. Did you know about the middle stump being a relatively recent? Uh, I didn't. No, I'm no. I'm not. A, I'm not a sort of of the, of the history of cricket. No, I, I love it. Am, am, amateur enthusiast. Yeah, no, me too. Yeah. But I, I, I'm also a, a, an enthusiast of trivia, and that is a result of my enthusiasm for trivia rather than my enthusiasm for cricket. If I could have come up with the name of the cricketer, then frankly, I, I, I would have given myself a Ray Liotta. Uh, Tristan, thank you. I'll take another round of applause, please, Keith. How many is that? Five breaking records, left, right, and centre today. Or indeed, um, leg, centre, and off. James is in Marlowe. James, question or answer? Hi, James. It's a uh, question. Carry on. So, quick one. If you're if you're arrested mm. and then consequently consequently charged and denied bail, yeah. what happens to your mortgage payments, your bills, and oh, mate, all that what, kind what, of stuff with your house? What have you done? I don't know. I'm not planning on doing anything. It doesn't sound that way to us, James. It sounds, sounds to us like you're trying to get your ducks in a row before the old bill comes calling. <laughs> <laughs> get, first of all, get a good lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. I'll find, I'll find out for that. Anything else I said after that would have been highly inappropriate, wouldn't it? I was waiting for further advice. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I thought anything else I say now could be construed in a horribly unpleasant way. I like that question. And, I mean, presumably, you, you have to find someone to take care of it for you. But if, if you're so you on get your... your one, so you get your one telephone call, who do you phone? Do you phone your mortgage company? Go, it's not going to be around for a while. I mean, the more you ask this question, the more you do sound as if you're worried about the future. <laughs> I'm not worried. All right, mate. Yeah, of course you're not. Pull the other one. I shall find out for you, I promise. Hopefully in time. Is that, hang on, is that a siren in the background? I might not be able to do it in... Oh, my days. Mate, seriously, run! Run, James, run! Run for the hills! Don't let them take you alive! It's coming up to half past twelve. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. I really like that question. I, I presume the answer is procedural, is that, you know, if, if you earn money and you pay your bills and your... Or even if you don't earn money and you pay your bills with your, with your welfare payments, but if you... And then suddenly you're not earning, there's nothing coming in. What happens? Uh, how do you tell your mortgage? I mean, do you get a break on your mortgage or do you have to sell your house? It's really interesting, that, actually, for people planning major crimes and for those of us who are just interested in the uh, minutiae of daily life, in this case, prison life. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. Um, why does cling film only work once? I think I might have got that one wrong. So my decision not to give myself a round of applause makes me right. <laughs> uh, why do we cry? Why do certain things... I mean, what is the point of crying? I, I, I cleans your eyes or something silly like that, but it's specific... Mike in Moscow wants to know specifically why why our emotions lead us to cry, why some things are, 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 are jerking off tears, so to speak. What's the best kind of manure for growing stuff? I think I was also a bit thick on that question as well. Um, for example, I 
I don't know whether the questioner admitted the possibility in his question of a mix of different manures being the best for growing, because you see, you can tell I've got an allotment. That reminds me, I must get down there. And if you get sent to prison, if you get locked up, what happens to all your bills and, and mortgages and, and, and stuff like that? And presumably if you're renting and you live alone, you lose your place. It kind of goes without saying. But if you've got a mortgage and you've got a two-year sentence, do you lose your house? I genuinely don't know, and I, I'm not planning on committing any crimes any time soon, but, you know, it's always forewarned is forearmed. Andrew is in Rainham. Andrew, question or answer? Uh, neither, mate. It's a steward's inquiry. Oh, come on, then. I've been enjoying the smugness this morning, I uh, have to say. Thank you very there much. Are <laughs> there has to have some basis in fact. Yeah, um, well, yeah. Go on. Energy from waste. Um, you said that you couldn't get energy from domestic refuse. No, I didn't. I said you could. Well, you said you didn't. As a practical matter, you didn't. No, 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 I said, I said you could, and I'm sure that they do a bit, but the reason why it happens on such a small scale that the questioner didn't think it happened at all will be because of efficiencies and, and enthusiasms. Yes. Um, well, it happens on quite a large scale, actually. Oh, OK. Um, there are a series of things. They're called energy from waste. Well, or energy recovery. That's system. quite self-explanatory, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's the clue, as they say, is in the title. Um, Go on. Effectively, they are, they are exactly as you said. They're large incinerators. Yes. Um, they would be a, an industrial-scale plant. Um, bin lorries from a wide area would come up to them. they dump their refuge out the back of the, the refuse lorry uh, into a large sorting hall. The material then picked up by a large grabber, put into a large incinerator. The f- exhaust fumes are treated and controlled so that the emissions... To the atmosphere, such as they are, are minimal with no environmental consequences. So, so, so it is something that we should be looking to to, to do more of. But um, there, there are some people. I mean, from my perspective, yes, yes. There are some people who think that they are a bad idea because there are some people who who argue for a sort of perfect world scenario where all all waste is is recycled and reused. And this this gives a free pass to people who will just well chuck it out. I mean, I'm not going to pick a side on this one, but I am going to accept your steward's inquiry once you establish your qualifications. Um, well, I'm a Queen's Counsel specialising in planning law. I spent six weeks this summer promoting a scheme for an energy recovery facility in Hertfordshire. Yeah, but apart from that. Apart from that, yeah. <laughs> I don't know much about it. Give me a round of applause, quickly. Uh, give a round of applause. Yeah. Where's me Ray Liotta, mate? I get lost. <laughs> you didn't invent it. <laughs> you just know about it. Brian's in Seaford. Brian, question or answer? Uh, it's a question. Carry on. When were diamonds first discovered? Discovered? Yeah, and uh, when were they first deemed valuable? I'll, I'll I know take, that's two I'll, questions. No, I'll take the second bit of the question, because we won't know when they were first discovered, will we? All right. When were they first? That's a really lovely question. Do you know, oddly, how Mystery Hour started? No. And we're going back uh, probably ten or so years now, or ten or more years. It started because I did one of my most interesting phone-ins ever, completely out of the blue on a day where there was hardly any news, by asking, why is gold valuable? Ah. And there you, you are. You've kind of asked the same question, haven't you, really? I, I well... But um, you've gone for not. the when rather than the why. 
Yeah, I, 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 gone for the when were they discovered and yeah, and well, when when were, they, when were yeah, they first adjudged valuable. to be of value? Because the answer to the gold question was, if memory serves, pretty much because it's rare and shiny. So I imagine that the answer to your question will turn out to be the same as well. But then well, you'll, you'll want to know when did its rareness and its shininess become commoditized? Uh, absolutely. No, you're gold wrong. is malleable. Diamonds aren't, are they? So uh, no, you can work with gold. You're absolutely right. You can make stuff out of it. You so you can show off your shininess, sh- uh, rare shiny thing. But a diamond. Much more difficult to show it off. Oh, what a lovely question. Thank you, Brian. When did diamonds become precious? Like precious. Antonia is in Cobham. Antonia, question or answer? Hi, James. It's a question. Carry on. Um, so, when you go to a graveyard and, and there are loads of graves that haven't been kind of touched or seen for years, what do they do with them? Do they dig them up? Do they leave them? What do they do? There's no catch-all answer, I don't think, to this. I, I think it depends on circumstance. But but they certainly um, put put new. They dig new graves and put. Coffin, they dig new graves. Yeah, they, so put, they put get event, rid of the old They put coffins on top of what was previously a coffin. Yeah, that does happen. But equally, in some other graveyards, they they they, they, they stay untouched for two or three hundred years. So there's no. That's a boring answer, but there's no. Um, no definitive. No objective. Yeah, exactly. So, what, okay. I mean, so any any anyone who runs a graveyard, but any priest actually who's got a graveyard attached to their church, will, if it's very very old, will have had to have made a decision at a parish level or a diocesan level. I don't know about whether or not they start stacking. I suppose you'd have to call it, even though it's a slightly uncomfortable okay. term. Yeah, slightly morbid. Right, thank you. No, oh, you're very welcome. Sorry, Keith. Thank you. <laughs> Smugness restored after the uh, last fella with the you know QC. And the actual experience of setting up the stuff that I suggested didn't exist. Uh, Astra is in London Bridge. Astra, question or answer? Oh, it's an answer. Carry on. Um, so it's an answer to the the best manure. Oh, splendid. Um, I believe, so it's called guano, which is actually ex- excrement from seabirds. Um, and bats and so on. And in the, I think it's the 19th century, it was so valuable that it was actually worth its weight in gold as a fertilizer. Uh, yeah, and there's a there's a South Sea island, who, which is, I think, per capita, one of the richest places in the world because it has so much guano. But yeah, that, but that doesn't. I mean, that is that good for tomatoes? Uh, well, I would believe so. Is it sure, good for is it good not? for roses? <laughs> I mean, is it good? Do you see what I mean? Is it is is, is it, so? There is more pound for pound. There's more nutritional content in guano than any other form of ordure or manure. Yeah, I think it's due to the levels of um, you know nitrogen. I'm going to take uh, is that. Is it phosphate uh, and potassium? Yeah, I, um, I, I like that answer <laughs> because I think a gardener might, for example, the best manure is a mix of cow horse and chicken or something do you see what i mean but you're going yeah. i think you've taken the question in the spirit that it was asked <laughs> qualifications yeah i think um it's actually i was traveling in peru and uh it was on a, a tour oh, really? um, for, to the balestas island yeah there you go is that the island that i was thinking of um quite possibly they call it the poor man's galapagos but yeah it's incredible <laughs> there go, there go. yeah well i love that crikey you've been around um <laughs> round of applause for astra please <laughs> lovely answer Garner, yeah, bird, bird poo. professor hal is in brighton professor hal question or answer let me hang Hello, on James. let me have a look What's he... crying you're going to do crying aren't you i'm not oh wait there you... cling film you're going to do cling film because it's chemistry or physics i'm not Oh dear. I need to tell you the mess you made of prison. diamonds versus gold. It's going to be prison. Oh, okay. When did diamonds become valuable? 1930s. 
Um, can I... Funny enough, I know you follow me no, on Facebook. shut up. What about you know, the Koh-i-Noor, mate? No, stop. You, they became routinely um, valuable in the 1930s, and diamonds are not valuable. They're only valuable because the um, duopoly that was De Beers and one other, they put all the diamonds in a great big vault, and they leached them onto the market. They dripped them onto the market. And in the 1930s, they started associating diamonds with engagements because before then they weren't particularly used for engagement. And they said a diamond is forever and we suggest three months salary. And suddenly they set a price on them. You try reselling a secondhand diamond. You can sell the gold and a diamond engagement ring for the scrap value of the gold because gold is valuable because it's a commodity. But the diamond they put in a little tin and um, you can almost not give them away. Gold, on the other hand, as you wisely said, is rare enough that not everyone can have all they want, but not so rare that if you really want some, you can't get some. And it's one of the noble metals like rhodium, which is more valuable than gold, and platinum and palladium. It doesn't react with anything, and therefore it doesn't tarnish. It's malleable, and you can hammer it out. So the gold leaf you see on the back of library books is indeed made of gold, and you can actually eat it. One of the most expensive desserts you can get in the um, Burj Arab in um, Dubai is about $3,000, and they've got shavings of gold on it because it just passes straight through you the paradox of diamonds yeah uh, well then why why is the koh-i-noor in the crown jewels then no because that's that's different we're not talking about little sort of diamonds for engagement thing once in a uh, while you get an you absolute get such water, a massive diamond that it becomes something people will kill yeah, for then it is rarity but the ones the little stones and bits of grit we see on um, engagement rings and so forth they're ten a penny and they literally are falsely made they're falsely it's a marketing it's a, it's a marketing yeah. thing it's but it's, it's, it's the first example of branding in a way then or one no, of the is. first examples of branding why have you paid 500 quid for that sweatshirt because it's got something written on it even though it costs 50p to make here's a sweatshirt that also costs 50p to make that hasn't got something written on it um you can have it for a tenner yeah but buddy i know you follow me on facebook i yeah. just posted it yesterday by st- astonishing example i reposted george de thing about diamonds it's the biggest Did you? Yeah. I'll go and have a look at that now. No, yeah, we we really, missed really you on Tuesday. Everyone was there. Big Wayne from Basildon. Scott, uh, Scott the T-shirt king of Uxbridge. Gary, <laughs> Gary Burton. Every Chris Offen, who right. wrote the Mystery Hour theme tune. All, all the royalty was there. It was only you and Emma and Corpsey that were missing. Can I just tell you... And Wayne others. There are others. I just forgot. He me on Friday and tried to flog his ticket to me, but I who <laughs> didn't did? do it. Wayne. No, he had a, he had a spare because tall Paul couldn't come. Oh, he, t- he told a different story, mate. Anyway, I'm so sorry. Next time. <laughs> You're barred. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. Lumpy Stevens. Thank you. Almost. If I hadn't already trousered about 30, I'd give myself a round of applause for that alone. It was true what I said about cricket. The middle stump was introduced in the 18th century because a bowler called Lumpy Stevens was so accurate that he was putting the ball in between the two stumps that were previously the wicket with a single bale on top. So he didn't dislodge the bale because he was too accurate and the ball was going through the relatively small gap between the two stumps. So they stuck a middle stump in because of Lumpy Stevens. Lumpy Stevens was his name, which is probably going to be my first foray into country and western, uh, the first ever crossover between country and western and cricket. I'm going to write that song later today. And Lumpy Stevens was his name. The man who put the middle wicket into cricket. That's two lyrics. And Lumpy Stevens was his name. The man who put the middle wicket into cricket. It, don't worry, there's only nine minutes left before Sheila gets here. We've got to get at a few answers on the board before then. Let me remind you what we're looking for. Evolutionary explanation of crying. Come on, my dudes. Someone can do that. Scientific explanation of why cling film only works once. 03456060973. Um, 
What happens when you go to prison to all your bills and financial responsibilities? Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. Verity's in Brighton. Question or answer, Verity? Hi, James. It's a question. Carry on. Uh, okay. Why don't adults get nosebleeds? Well, they do, but nowhere near as much as children do. Yeah, regular nosebleeds. Yeah, I used to be getting I mean, I, I, I don't say nosebleeds, but yeah, exactly. When I was a kid, I used to get semi-regular nosebleeds. You get at least you know a couple or two or three a year or something, and then they stop. Yeah, it's probably something to do with the size of your capillaries or something like that, isn't it? But or, or, or a kind of manifestation of something akin to growing pains. But I haven't got a clue. I used to get nosebleeds like you wouldn't believe when I was a lad. Like you wouldn't believe. Do you know what the um, scientific name is? No. It's either peristaxis or peristalsis. And if you okay. get... I, I don't know how useful this... Um, peristalsis I'm going to go with. I don't know how useful this will be for you, Verity, in your life going forward. But if you ever get matron to write peristalsis on your chip from sick bay and the, <laughs> and your rug, and your rugby coach is not the sharpest knife in the drawer you can take your chip from sick bay on which matron has written peristalsis you can take it to your rugby coach and tell him that you have quite a serious condition and he'll put you off games for a whole term how useful that's going to be to me, James. Well, we shall just keep me posted. <laughs> keep me posted, um, Verity. All right. Uh, one thing I will tell you as well is that someone, uh, a teacher of mine, used to tell us that it was because our brains were too big for our heads that they were growing faster than our bodies. So <laughs> my, someone could just disprove that. Yes, I think we'll be all right. My dad used to tell me that if I picked my nose, my head would cave in. And I'm living proof that he was wrong. Uh, we shall get, get you an answer. We'll do our level best. Why do children get nosebleeds so much more regularly than adults? Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three except obviously adults with massive cocaine habits but we're leaving them out of this conversation jim's in horsham jim question or answer answer can you hear me james loud and clear jim what have you got <clears throat> just to differ on the uh, diamond uh, question that you raised yes good um i really uh, just want to put people clear look diamonds were first used actually in the uh, manufacturing or polishing of other gemstones we got some evidence going back to almost egyptian times so you know they were always in use from them and in sort of the 1400s, uh, they were first given as engagement rings. So, I mean, they've been seen as valuable for an awful long time. And as you rightly pointed out with the koh i uh, you know, the, these things were prized by the princes and sultans for many, many years. In, in, in the context of modern commerce, I think Professor Hal made some valid points uh, about the resale value, for example, of very small diamonds. But, but, yes. but, but you, yeah. I, I think you sound, not least because he claimed he was correcting me, so I'm going to side with you for, mm. sli for, sli for slightly petty reasons, but they will cease to be petty when I ask you what your qualifications are. I'm Vice President of the Diamond Producers Association, um, and uh, we are a a diamond producers. I I have um, executive vice president of a diamond mine in Canada, and I've been in the business for forty five years now. Let's so, go. Uh, Let's do it. You know, I know a bit about the history. No, mate, you're um, over the line, Jim. Don't worry. In fact, you've earned one of these with ease. I'm Ray Liotta, and you're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. If you build it, they will come. Well played. You also get a round of applause. That is one of the best qualifications we've ever had on the programme. Thank you, Jim. Okay. You're a star. Carry on. You shine on, you crazy diamond. Steve's in Welling Garden City. Steve, question or answer? Um, well, I just wanted that to put you right, stakes. really. Oh, um, mate, I've just I seen... Know. No, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Perry Stouse. That's what your flipping gut, gullet does when you swallow stuff. Yeah, it's the rhythmic contraction of your... Um, 
Epistaxis, mate. Epistaxis. Quick, phone Verity. Phone Verity and tell her not to put peristalsis on her off-games chip from Matron. Put epistaxis. Epistaxis. Qualifications? Qualifications? Well, I spent 20 years as a paramedic. So. Yeah, give him a round of applause. <laughs> no, no one's going to put you off rugby because you're capable of swallowing, are they? No. No. Thanks for being gentle with me, Steve. <laughs> Cheers. My, there you go. Richard's in Basildon. Richard, question or answer? Oh, what a dope. That's uh, my punishment for being so smug. Go on, carry on. I said, hopefully I've got an answer for you, James. Um, it is for your Clinton question. Yes. I believe it's actually to do with surface tension rather than um, static electricity. Oh, yeah. Go on. So oh, the, the, the thickness of the material itself is obviously able to hold its own weight just through surface tension alone rather than um, if you had a much thicker piece of polymer film, for example, that would uh, it wouldn't be able to hold its own weight. Yeah, of course. So once you've used it once, you've, you've broken the surface tension, for want of a more technical term, so it won't work the next time. Or, it's, yeah, it loses its... It loses its ability to have such effective surface tension because it's only got a finite level of elasticity. So once you stretch it the first time... It doesn't go back. Um, you're, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Qualifications? Uh, I'm an engineer. But you don't work with cling film much. I don't work with cling film, no. I work with lasers, so something completely different. But <laughs> Never mind, though. You've worked it out, I think. <laughs> Great work. Great right applause. Well, what don't we need? We haven't got the. We only got two minutes left. I've got a couple of phone lines free. I don't. I can't put any more questions on. I need to know why we cry. Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. And why do children get epistaxis a lot more than adults do? Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. Otherwise, we're just going to have to recap on how many rounds of applause I gave myself in the course of today's program. I wasn't wrong on any of them. There were stewards' inquiries, which only added extra knowledge to the knowledge I'd already provided. There, were, there weren't any stewards' inquiries that actually contradicted the answer that I'd already provided. No, even on even on the waste question, I didn't say that it didn't happen at all. I just said the reason why she didn't think it happened at all was because it was quite oh, all right. Maybe on the waste one, all right. I mean, lawyers. Moose is in Marlborough. Moose, question or answer? Uh, answer. Carry on. Okay, so kids have more nosebleeds because they have more blood vessels in the nasal plexus. They also pick their noses more. They're more active than adults, so they fall over more, so they're more prone to bleeding. Oh. Why would they have more blood vessels? It's a developmental thing. Um, Kids develop differently from adults. Um, Their bone structure is different. They have more cartilage rather than bone. Lots and lots and lots and lots of anatomical differences. They have bigger heads proportionally than adults. So they have more blood vessels in the nasal plexus because they're just developing. Yeah, they, and, and uh, yeah, of course, when you're growing, you need to transport blood around your body at a different rate and quantity than you do when you stop growing. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah. Qualifications? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, pregnant women have more blood volume. Do they? Uh, like 150% of the normal blood volume of your average human, and so they're more prone to nosebleeds because they're more prone to hypertension. Um, there, there are different reasons at different ages. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Qualifications? Uh, paramedic, last 19 years or so. Yeah, that'll do. Round of applause for Moose. <laughs> well played. Uh, I've got 30 seconds. Darren is in Lewisham. Darren, what have you got? Crying. Yes. Um, Crying. We don't... 
really know, but we think it's to uh, elicit a altruistic response from other people. Animals do it too. Elephants do it as well. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so uh, if if you cry, then you'll be looked yeah. after. Therefore, it yeah. does give you a sexual advantage, a, which is what a, evolution is visible, all about. It's a visible show that you're in emotional distress. Qualifications? Uh, former London Zoo. Oh, okay, that'll do. Yeah, what, 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 what was your area of speciality at the zoo? I uh, worked on various departments, but mainly actually delivering talks, national curriculum stuff. What's your favourite animal? I've turned into Alan Partridge. Oh, favourite animals are rats, probably. Really? You weirdo. Yeah, Round of applause for Darren the Rat Man. <laughs> rat fan! Rat fan! Here's Sheila Fogarty. What about when you cry on your own? And you're not looking for any response, but you cry with sorrow yeah, But you don't something. know that you're right. The, 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 the physiological response isn't calculating how many people there are in the room, but, but the reason why evolutionarily you do it is because of what he described. What about if it goes the other way, that you actually just feel for the other without seeking something from the other? But then that wouldn't be physical evolution. That would be emotional literacy. Which is part of surviving, isn't it? Not necessarily. Have you had a look at Brexiters? <laughs> Also, zoos, I cried what the first this? time. Everyone's I, having a go I, today. I, no, it's not I'm my fault go. I got 406 <laughs> rounds of applause. I'm just jealous. Go. I, I'm just interested in the, in the conversation you just had. I, I, first time I ever went to London Zoo, I cried when I saw the gorillas. Oh, Terrible. But slightly better now. Better they've, now. They've should never much, have been there. They've got a much better run now. But mm. I know what you mean. There's something fundamentally... They're all right at Longleat. Oddly, because yeah. they've got their own sort of Ursatz jungle. Yeah, they were there for a while, weren't they, before they came back to London Zoo, yeah, but I know. cried. I could never go back and look again. Too much. Anyway, thanks. That was really interesting. You live and learn. <laughs> Thank you, James. If you enjoyed this podcast, hear James O'Brien live every weekday morning from 10, only on LBC.